We continue to dig into the gospel of St. Luke, uh, picking up here in chapters 4, 5, and 6. As Jesus is out in ministry among the people. Uh, last week, Pastor Matt had shared with us in earlier in chapter 14 about how Jesus came home. And it was among the people he'd grown up with and the people that knew him as Joseph's son. And as he shared with them about the kingdom of God, they wanted a little bit more. They wanted to not only know about the kingdom of God, but they'd heard he had been doing miracles in other towns and they wanted to do those miracles with him. And when Jesus didn't do the miracles that they wanted, not the things that they had hoped that they would see, uh, the last part of our section, our, uh, our verses from last week, we're told that the synagogue people were trying to throw Jesus, this hometown hero, off the cliff. And in verse 30, it ends where Jesus passes right through them. Uh, certainly a miracle. So think with me for a moment here. If you were Jesus, and all this had happened to you here in your hometown, uh, what would your future reaction be to people? Well, when, when they would come to you and ask for something, I know if it were me, I would say, well, forget it. I, I gave you my best, and you didn't want it. Go somewhere else. Go ask somebody else for help. Leave me alone. I gave you the truth, and you didn't want to be a part of it. That's what, how I would probably react if I'd been rejected. I'd probably reject them too. But here in chapters 4, 5, and 6, that's not how Jesus reacted. Matter of fact, we have kind of a long list of Jesus' uh, reaction and divided out with the verses, and maybe you can squint and see it, because there is that much that's there. So, so Jesus is rejected by the people. He walks on his way to Capernaum, and what does he do there among the people? The first thing is he cast out an unclean demon. And then we're told about how he healed Simon's mother-in-law and how he cured many people of their illnesses, their sicknesses, and he cast out more demons. Now, at this point in chapter 4, I, I found it kind of interesting because those people who Jesus was among didn't want him to leave. They urged him to stay. Be with us, Jesus. Because he had done so much for them, they didn't want to lose it, and they wanted the potential of what more he could give to them. And Jesus said, I have to get going. I have to leave because I need to tell the good news of the kingdom of God to as many as I am able to do it. And it was from there that he went on and he, uh, he changed a bad day of fishing for some fishermen. Makes some of you want to make sure you include Jesus with you, right? He, he helped them to have a, a huge catch of fish, but then he brought to them a change. And it wasn't that every time you go out, use this bait so that you can catch more fish. He changed them to say, you are now going to be fishers of men. And there in chapter 5, Jesus continues on. He, he meets a leper who he, he heals him of his disease. He, he meets a, a, heals a, a paralyzed man brought down through the roof. 
He called Levi, a tax collector, to come follow him and to be his, and then even went to eat dinner in his house with a bunch of other tax collectors. Luke tells us about how Jesus unhealed a, a man who had a, a withered right hand on the Sabbath day. Interesting, a couple of the other gospel writers, they record this same account, but they don't tell us the detail like Luke does. Luke's very specific. That great physician says, it was his right hand. It was that main hand where, where most people were warriors. That was their arm of strength. This man didn't have that but it was given back to him. And this section concludes with where Jesus goes out to pray, and after he prays, he comes among his disciples, and it's there that he calls 12 of them to be his apostles, those who would be his right-hand men to, to learn from him, to be with him, to be witnesses that they had seen the things that Jesus Christ had done. And in the last part of this chapter, he says, this reading, he says, and Jesus healed Many. Now there's a common thread through these chapters, and the common thread is this. None of these people were changed on their own. The leper did not heal himself. The paralyzed man did not bring himself recovery. The fishermen didn't catch fish on their own. They couldn't change it. They were limited but each had the potential to be changed by Jesus. And so what is it about Jesus that changed them? It was this love of Jesus Christ. Luke records it in this section so that we can get an idea of how does Jesus change people? Not by force, but by his love. Remember that leper he healed? We're told that he touched him. You're not supposed to do that with a leper. You're supposed to keep your distance. But the love of Jesus enabled him to touch that which was untouchable. He forgave those that people of that day thought were unforgivable. He loved those who were very much considered by society as unlovable. And why does he do it? Because Jesus changes lives. Now I want to emphasize that point with you today. Jesus changes lives. He does not seek to redirect people. He's not in that business. See, if Jesus were in the redirecting business, he would come to you and he would come to me and say, you know, you're not quite doing that right. Why don't you try this? Why don't you just keep living your life the way it is, but, but try this type of thing? He's not trying to redirect us. He wants to change us. Because of our sinful human nature, we are going the wrong directions. And it requires a change, a turning around. And he does that by his love. But some people don't want to be changed, do they? Some people don't even want to be redirected in their lives. And often what you'll see is it brings out their opposition. In Luke 5, verse 30, and the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at Jesus' disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And so what do we do about the Pharisees and the scribes? Do we have anything to do with them? 
You see, even though they didn't want to be changed, Jesus still sought to share his love with them. He spoke directly to them in in chapter 5, verses 33 to 35, and he shared about, uh, you need to eat and drink while the bridegroom is here with you. Referring how he is is a bridegroom and his church, the bride here on earth, come together. And it was Jesus' desires that the Pharisees and scribes would know that truth fulfilled in him. He didn't exclude them. He tells them a parable, a teaching tool, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning about new wineskins and the old wineskins. And how Jesus was now bringing new life to people. He, he evidenced to them and talked to them about this eating on the Sabbath, which they said by the law is perfectly illegal. You can't be doing it. And yet, Jesus says, for people to be cared for and loved, that's not a breaking of the law. Even David ate the showbread there in the temple when they were hungry. Because our God is a God of love. It makes me wonder today within God's church here on earth, is the correct and accurate message of Jesus coming out from us? When we're in these walls, we love Jesus, but when we're outside of these walls, are we communicating God's love for a people who are lost, who may have rejected who who say they don't want to have anything to do with them, do we still share with them that Jesus came that they might be loved? I drive by this church sign pretty much every day. And the first time I saw it, it kind of made me wonder. You know, great message, Jesus loves you. But then as I kept reading it each time going by, Are they communicating Jesus loves you on Sundays at 10.30 and Wednesdays at 7.30? But not any other time? The correct and accurate message of Jesus Christ is he desires to love us, to forgive us at all times. And that's what Luke is communicating to us through this whole scenario of accounts in Jesus' ministry as he reaches out and he changes people, changes them physically, but calls and changes them spiritually to be his own. So they would not be lost, that they would not be forgotten, that they would not be left behind because of the sin that infests us in this world. But they'd be changed by Jesus who's come, who lived for us, who died for us, who rose again for us. He did all that was needed so that we might be new people, a changed people, not redirected, but made new in him. I imagine we could go back through this text and and find all kinds of wonderful details because they're there, but I'll, I'll leave that to you on your own as you review it and you go through it. But as you walk through those words, remember, Jesus came to change us, to be new, to be his, and to be his forever.
as you celebrate out this week, Valentine's Day, with the rest of our world, remember the greatest love has been given to you already in Jesus Christ. You pray with me. Gracious Lord God, we thank and we praise you for the word and your goodness and your grace and your mercy. How Jesus did not push people aside and say, because you rejected me, I will reject you. But he continued to bring that message of love to a world in need. By your Holy Spirit, grace us with that love that we might be filled with your forgiveness and your new hope and new life and we might be changed people, children of the light that give you all glory and honor and praise until we meet you for eternity. And all this you give to us in Jesus Christ our Savior. In his name we pray, amen.